Here we go. You're listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this July the 14th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to take a look at a way of doing a sermon that is becoming more and more popular. We're all aware of parables. What is a parable? A parable is where Jesus takes something from an earthly point of view and can compare it to a heavenly kingdom. It's not that every time the term parable is used, it's always about the kingdom of God, but there are many times that it is. For example, Luke 15, he talks about a shepherd who finds a lost sheep. And what does a shepherd do? Picks up the sheep, carries it home. See, that is a parable about how you are saved. Jesus comes and finds you. You don't go looking for him. And so the arrows are going in the right direction. Salvation is from God down to us, not from us up to God. Well, there are a number of figures of speech that can be helpful in understanding who God is. And one of the items is what we call a metaphor. A metaphor is simply where you're comparing one thing to another thing. Like you may say, when I get up in the morning, I just have sunshine in my heart. Now, nobody thinks that there's a sun in your heart, but it is talking about sunshine in your heart in the sense of metaphorically, that you feel really happy, that you're glad to be alive, and you're looking forward to the day. So um, a metaphor is like that. Well, last week's Old Testament lesson was from Amos chapter 7. And let me read the first verse of that lesson. Amos is talking. This is what God showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. Now, it's quite possible that young people, children, and maybe even some adults aren't aware of what is a plumb line. It's actually a tool used by a builder to determine a straight vertical line. And it's not helpful for horizontal, but it is for vertical. In other words, you take maybe a string with a weight attached and 
when you let it hang, it always hangs straight. Israel is now being judged by God's plumb line. And what does he find? Well, the nation has become crooked and warped, and it needs to be measured by the Lord's plumb line and set aright. And what is the God going to do to Israel? Verse 9, the high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Now, Jeroboam was the evil king at that time in the land. And Amos had been sent by God to prophesy. In other words, his task was to get the people to repent. But there was a high priest of Bethel. His name was Amaziah. And he went to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to hear all his words because here is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam, that's the king, shall die by the sword and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And of course, that's referring to the Babylonian captivity. So Amaziah, he is telling Jeroboam that we can't have this guy around much longer because he's making terrible threats against you. So Amaziah, the high priest, goes to Amos, Seer, flee to the land of Judah, eat bread there, prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is a king's sanctuary and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answers and says to Amaziah, I, I was no prophet, nor even a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. So that's kind of the lesson from Amos chapter 7. And we can see the parallels with what was happening in Amos's day and what's happening even here in the United States. A lot of people do not appreciate the message of Bible-believing pastors who speak against the immorality that a lot of people are living in. And they're just really angry at their pastors. In fact, some have left the church. Why? Because they no longer agree with the morality that God provides 
from Holy Scripture. So does that mean that the pastor should stop talking about morality or about God's word? Of course not. We need to continue to speak the word of God because many people who are in the darkness of unbelief need to come into the light of salvation. So what we want to do, though, is talk a little bit more about this plumb line. As we said, the plumb line works to make sure a wall is straight. And when God uses his plumb line in measuring the people, they are really crooked. Now, we know something about the danger of improper construction. We're not absolutely sure what happened in Surfside, Florida recently, but there was a penthouse that fell apart, killing many people. When I first heard that, I thought, well, that must be an area that's pretty poor, and therefore the construction was not very good. But then I found out that not only was this a very rich area, but only one block from this disaster was the home of President Trump's daughter and son-in-law. Second of all, just last month, a penthouse apartment at this location was sold for $2.9 million. So one cannot say that it wasn't well put together. In fact, there's two buildings beside each other, the one that fell and the other one hasn't. And a lot of the apartment dwellers in the one that's still standing are asking, should I move? And right now, there's no suggestion that they need to move because various architects are saying, no, this is a strong building and it should not fall. But as yet, they don't have a real reason why the one did fall to the ground and kill many people. I'm watching some YouTube. One individual showed that the swimming pool area had sunk, and that could have brought perhaps that part of the building down. Uh, others suggested that, yes, the two buildings appear to be identical, but different material was used to build the building that's still standing compared to the building that fell. And, and so it's kind of like uh, a plane crash where they actually, after a plane crash, try and put the plane back together to discover what went wrong. I, I was watching one yesterday on YouTube that really surprised me because I watched about 20 of these plane crashes on YouTube. And after the plane crashes, they always provide the reason 
why the plane went down. And it's very interesting. Sometimes it's a broken bolt or sometimes a part of the wing doesn't move properly. And so I've been getting pretty good at figuring out ahead of time why a plane crashes. Well, the one I saw yesterday really enticed me because the plane took off and it was flying to Australia from London. And about three hours after it was flying, all of a sudden, great white lights appeared in front of the windshield. And you couldn't even see out of the windshield. And then the engines began to stop. This was a four-engine jet. And before long, all four engines stopped. There was plenty of gas. And so the pilots looked at, well, the radar they had, and it was a cloudless night. There were no thunderstorms, no clouds or anything. And they couldn't figure out what was happening. Soon, smoke started coming into where the passengers were all sitting. And, well, the flight crew went around to see if there was a fire, but they couldn't find it. Well, what happened when the four engines went out, the plane began to glide. And fortunately, it could glide for about a half an hour. And during that time, they attempted again and again and again to restart the engines, but to no success. However, about 20 to 25 minutes as they were heading back to an airport in Jakarta, they needed to get their engine started because to get to the airport, they had to go over a mountain. And if they couldn't get their engine started, they would be unable to fly over the mountain. <coughs> Excuse me. So what were they to do? By God's grace, for some reason, they got one engine started. And then before long, the other three started also. And they were able to land safely. The people were overjoyous because they thought they were going to die for sure. Now, what had happened? Well, what had happened is typical radar can pick up clouds, but there were no clouds at all when the radar looked out. Yet, the reason radar picks up clouds is because of the moisture in a cloud. Whereas in this particular situation, there were clouds, but they had no moisture. What was it? It was volcanic ash from a volcano that had gone off during the flight of the plane. And the ash from the volcano which cannot be seen by that kind of radar, 
had got into the engines, clogged them, caused smoke to go into the passenger area, and people were near death. Well, for some reason, after the plane had gone down from a high height, the various chemicals from the ashes melted in the engine and the engines restarted. So there was something that you had no idea about. Even the pilots had no understanding why the engines had gone out. Well, the people of Israel, their engines went out. They thought their engine was the temple. God certainly would not agree with Amos in destroying the temple or having Jerusalem attacked. But God was really bringing the people to their knees, not because he hated them, but because he loved them. He wanted them to be saved. And many in the remnant did become saved. Now, when you read through the book of Amos, boy, there doesn't seem to be too much hope for the people. But one of the things you learn at the seminary is these prophets often had the law preaching at the beginning of their book. And then at the end of the book, you could hear the gospel. And that certainly does come about. In verse 8 of Amos 9, God says that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. What does he mean by that? Well, he talks about that there will be a remnant left, and there certainly was, even at the Babylonian captivity. Remember how God sent them back to Jerusalem, freed them from Babylonian slavery to rebuild the temple, etc.? Here's what verse 11 says. In that day, I, God, will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who does this. Once more, you have in that Bible passage a clear teaching that God is the one who is going to redeem his people. And of course, we know that David's booth represents the kingdom that Jesus Christ brought in, the holy Christian church, and the remnant is saved. But what do we do with this parable of the plumb line? How does the plumb line save us? Well, think about when Jesus was baptized. What happened there? Well, God the Father spoke from the clouds. Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer. 
But as he was being baptized, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down and not only alighted on him, but went within him. He received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit do with Jesus right after that? He sent him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, why didn't he just send him right to the cross? Because Jesus had a message that needed to be heard and taught to the disciples. Remember, the foundation of the Holy Christian Church is on the basis of the teaching of the prophets and the apostles with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So here's this metaphor of a plumb line. And what a plumb line is, is simply a, a string or something with a heavy object attached to the bottom that makes it stand straight because of gravity. And you can therefore build walls that don't fall over. Well, what's a plumb line? For us, it's the same that Jesus received at his baptism. At his baptism, he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't often use objects in a sermon, but I did this time. I got a piece of chain, and at the bottom of it, I put a cross, a cross that one can wear with vestments, etc. And it's clear that when you held the chain up, the cross made a straight line down to the ground. Now, how did I use that to talk about how you were saved? I used again the baptism of Jesus. And therefore, we had had not long ago some children who were baptized. And I said, what happened is they also received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was as though the plumb line of God's plumb line with a cross at the bottom was dipped into the waters of baptism so that as the child was baptized, whether they were an infant, older, or even an adult, they were receiving two gifts, the gift of the assurance of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how God's plumb line works today. And even if a person is not baptized, According to Romans, by hearing the word of God, God's plumb line goes into them. In other words, Jesus is now within them. And that's a wonderful gift that we can be confident of because Jesus is the one who saves us. And with Jesus within us, 
we have nothing to fear. The three items that God protects us from are mentioned in the Bible. And those items are the devil, the world, and our flesh. We need not fear that our flesh is unable to do perfect good works because God forgives our sins. We need not fear that the world can harass us even to the point of death because then like Stephen, we are in heaven or like the thief on the cross. And finally, the world is something we need not fear. Nothing can happen to us that God does not protect us. So a plumb line, have you been measured by God's plumb line? If you confess the faith of Jesus Christ, which means you believe the promises of the gospel, then you've understood that plumb line that God has because it keeps you straight. And yes, the foundation of the temple in Revelation is the preaching of the prophets and apostles. The cornerstone is Jesus, but you are the individual parts of that building. So if you got any questions on this, email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and we'll be taking a look at another subject tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.